You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. Let's begin. I'm Mike D. Salu, and you've tuned in to T-H-E-S-O-V-P-O-D, the greatest and best and best and greatest podcast about shot on video movies. That's what the SOV stands for, you know. Joining me until the house lights rise is Mr. Brad Fuzznuggets Henderson. Say hi, Brad. Hi, Brad. Is that a dad joke? It's a dad joke. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go on. It's fine. Bradlish and I are recording live on the Lord's Day Sunday in beautiful Canada. Brad, how do you love Canada? Count the ways, baby. Uh, beautiful people. Uh, beautiful sights. Uh, beautiful people. 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 Beautiful You sound like a combination of Marilyn Manson and Michael Moore, but I'll take it because I, too, am with you. We're together. We're we're separated by this this double-pane glass, but I'm going to take it because I could smooch you uh, when we wrap today. Now, look. Hey, listeners, two quick sentences for you. Sentence number one, Arby's is back in our corner as our number one sponsor, providing us dozens of dollars for our next trip to record the P.O.D., the pod. Sentence number two, buy Arby's delicious sandwiches for your entire family. Insert commercial break here. This is USDA Choice Top Round Angus Steak. On a sandwich! Arby's, we have the meats. What a perfect episode for Arby's to return on, Brad, because today we talk about two beefy SOV classics. Mm-hmm. 1993's Back in Black by Erica Benedicti of last episode's Phobe, and Chester N. Turner's 1984 opus. Black Devil Doll from Hell. For those keeping score at home, that's two Erica Bendicti movies and two movies where people come from Hell. Now, oh shit, I didn't even notice that shit, Mike. Does that shit plan? <laughs> that shit was not planned. But since oh we plan God. to watch every single fucking shot on video movie ever made, I mean. It had to kind of sort of not really be planned eventually, right? Yeah, nah. But what, what <laughs> I was don't know. planned today is we have two movies that feature the word black in the title. So there you go. We keep it color corrected, yo. 
Before we get to the main event, though, Brad, what say you, Fuzz Nugs, that we delight our SOVers with a little culinary orgasm? Now, cue the theme that would get us in trouble if we were on a major network. Go! How come you always such a fussy young man? Don't want no Captain Crunch, don't want no Raisin Bran. Well, don't you know that other kids are starving in Japan? So eat it. Just eat it. Don't want to argue, I don't want to debate. Don't want to hear about what kind of food you hate. You won't get no dessert till you clean off your plate. So eat it. Don't you tell me you're full. Brad, Mike, come here, baby. I'm hungry. Take me to Flavortown, Pappy. Um. Well, are we talking about Back in Black first? Or are we talking about that Black Devil Dolph from Hell? We're going Back in Black. <laughs> um. If we are doing Back in Black, I am going to take it back. <laughs> uh, it's my second goddamn dad joke. Um, we are going to go back to Bagel Bites for this one, and I will tell you why. You want to know why? I do want to know why. I want to know why so bad. Tell me why. Go. Because, first off, Phobe that we discussed last week was the first time for me when uh, Intervision Severin put out that disc. Um, And I completely missed that there was... Erica's first feature on this. Thankfully, with this show and for Mike, I learned there was another movie on the disc. So, I put that in, and I was the happiest motherfucker on the planet watching that movie because, again, it reminded me of being a kid. I felt like I was watching some, like, prehysteria fucking bullshit when the music cued on, like some Amblin cheap Amblin ripoff entertainment movie, you know, a gnome named Norm or some crazy shit like that. Mac and me like those types of movies. That's what I felt like I was watching this entire time. And again, it reminds me of being a kid and my ass ate some motherfucking bagel bites up in that bitch. I sound like the black temple doll right there, Mike. I think he's taking over my body. Ooh, I'm getting all angry. So anyways, yes, Bagel Bites, not the straight cheese shit, cheese, pepperoni, combination, boom, oven, no toaster oven, no fucking microwave, boom, oven, crispy, can of ice cold Coke, bloom, and scene. Mm. My brother, I am going to 100% double down on that shit. I love the combination Bagel Bites. It's got... That shaved little cubed little pepperoni little bell pepper little. Oh, I love it. It's so good. They're like little fucking flavor nuggets right in your mouth. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to up it a little bit. Now, listen, y'all hear me talk all the time about how Delaney likes his sriracha. And you may have even heard me talk about the sriracha, which I think needs to come back for this. You get yourself a big dish of the, uh, the the saucy, watery ranch sauce, and you squeeze in there. You squeeze it in there, that, that hot cock sauce, the, the, real, the real sriracha. And you get it to be a nice uh, pinky pink, 
And then you go ahead and you slurp it the fuck up with your bagel bites. Now, Fuzz Nuggets Henderson loves the, the Coke. I'm going to go ahead, shout out to my heroin addicts, my, 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 my friends in recovery. I'm with you. I'm going Diet Coke. All right. We always go Diet Coke or no, nay, say Diet Barks Root Beer. Go with the root beer. Do it. It's American. And we're in Canada. So, you know, here, here's to you, Frenchy head. All right, Brad, here we go. B F H, my baby, tell me a bit, just a tiny bit. Yeah, 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 you stuck the tip in just a little bit with the, with the Amblin T's, but tell me a tiny bit about Back in Black by Erica Benedicti. It's totally feel like how phobe felt but in a different more like even though phobe felt like we were kids making a movie uh phobe even takes a little bit further to where it's even kind of like uh that elements of like uh raiders the the raiders of the lost ark um adaptation that those kids did but with a slightly more competent so like I think this is more properly made than than Phobe uh, was and this is her first feature just because of how it's presented how it's shot I just think it it, it adds so much and um you know we have uh kind of the Terminator Predator thing with Phobe this is like a straight up somewhat Indiana Jones type thing going on I agree with you 100% there there's uh significantly less moving pieces though uh, with Back in Black. Um, yes, correct. We, we, yeah. we primarily have uh, two main characters. Let's let's talk a little bit about the plot before we talk uh, more about the tone or, or perhaps its influences. But we have two primary characters uh, that are heavily influenced by the world of uh, comic books and, and fantasy. And, uh, you know... Through the narrative, they get sucked into this, and it's you know in a way it kind of reminded me of the um, the uh, the video game mo- uh, short film in Scary Tales, uh, with the alternate universe, the dude who gets sucked into the video game. This ultimately becomes a tale about two let's call them comic book geeks that get sucked into this dungeon crawler world, uh, like a Legend of Zelda or a Dungeons and Dragons, or I also thought of. Uh, <laughs> Tom Hanks in Mazes and Monsters, you know, where they're solving clues to get from one one place to the other to get back to to their reality, and it's it's super cute, and it's a hundred percent Amblin, just just like Brad said. But I believe why it comes off more competent is because there there is, as I said before, less moving pieces. Um, yeah, it's definitely smaller. But I even thought the camera work was a little bit better in this as well. Oh, much, much more controlled, uh, much more controlled environments. They, they were working more with sets, uh, with this back in black than they were with, uh, location like they were in Phobe. Cause Phobe had some pretty great locations like the, uh, you, you remember warehouse, the warehouse, the trail, the, uh, the different offices that they would have. Whereas this is more like, it's almost staged like another Canadian production cube, right? Where they probably had the same room that they had to redress over and over and over again uh, to make it appear. Yeah, they filmed just a lot out in the woods too. 
Right, right, right. Yeah, probably the same yeah. uh, acre in, in, in the woods. But um, back in black, Brad, one, one of my first talking points I want to have uh, with you on this, why the fuck do you think it was called back in black? I don't know. I was trying to figure that out the entire time. I, and I don't know if I just missed it. I have a theory. Go ahead. Go. All, all I could base this on is right before the boys, and, and that's, uh, I know that uh, one of the main dudes is also our bounty hunter from Phobe, the, the cousin of Eric yeah. Bendicti. Uh, unfortunately, he passed in, in 2003. I would love to hear his commentaries on some of these things nowadays, but uh, just a wonderful, big-hearted uh, actor that, that appeared in Erica's movies. But he he appears in this film as what appears to me to be a uh, uh, a Brian Johnson from ACDC like lookalike like he's got the Brian Johnson hat right he's got the 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 uh, the jean vest he's got kind of that rock and roll vibe and there's one fucking scene in the movie that mirrors like a risky business or any number of those uh, 80s references where the, the you know like the Zach Morris and the the Mario Lopez like hang out in their underwear and they sing songs and shit but they do kind of like an ACDC like guitar riff, like playing w- with the uh, the music in the background, and that's the only fucking thing I could think as to why it's called Back in Black. The one thing that I, in the charm about it, the only thing I wish, the only change that would have made it a little bit more charming, and I imagine that's probably kind of what they were going for. Um, but I don't know. I'd rather see little kids in the, in the yeah. yeah 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 that was my only like little thing but i mean but yeah I, I i thoroughly enjoyed the film i loved pretty much everything about it it felt um once it started going it got into kind of like the levels of a video game like oh we have to get to this point we solve it let's move to the next room and do that um but then at the end i i was going to say the whole scary tales thing with the uh, you know, the level 24, 25, and, and scary, or 21, was it? 21? Or 20? I can't remember. Fuck it. it was 69! No, it was not, Mike. But everything about the film is... I really think that something like Phobe and Back in Black can would could benefit, uh, I think, really much like just kids in school. Those would be great little student films to show people. If you're like at an AB club or, you know, a teacher in an AB club or whatever, we had short film competition. They basically took like their own, like, you know, the Mulder and Scully characters and they made them fight like an alien. And then we had, um, and they did like that every year. They did like a new uh, so-called X-Files episode. And then we had another um, group that was doing this Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but instead... They were drinking orange juice because it's foreign and oranges. Um, and I was like, everybody's wanting to do something funny. And I was like, no, let's make a fucking serious, uh, a serious horror short. And the teacher was like, no, I don't think that's a really good idea. Um, just because I don't know how well that would be received. And everybody was like, no, let Brad do it. He, he has it. And I think if they would have shown, like my teacher knew about these two films uh, by Erica and played those. That would give kids so much inspiration to make a movie or become a filmmaker or say, "Oh shit, we can do this with no money." We literally like Back in Black 
could have been filmed for next to nothing other than just the tapes like uh in the in the camera but i mean if you have a camera and you have some footage to record on you can make any no you're 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 absolutely correct and uh and i I always kind of felt that way too as like a frustrated filmmaker in high school when when i would go visit these film clubs with uh with the uh you know probably the the nerdy film teacher that that i've grown up to become (laughs) but when i would go to these film clubs and hit nerd akira kurosawa what but like when i go there you know, they'd always show these like highfalutin, like way fucking out of your league movies. And then they'd be like, let's make a movie. But they wouldn't show you something that was like home cooked, you know, made for a relatively feasible, modest, you know, yeah, like completely feasible, made for a modest budget with folks that are, you know, non-professionals or like semi-professionals or tangentially related to like the film industry, like doing a passion project that they want to do, like that's where I think, you know, these family-friendly SOV movies like Phobe or Back in Black, both available, by the way, on the same disc from Intervision, uh, an imprint of Severn Films. You could get it for fourteen ninety nine from Grindhouse Video in Florida at www.grindhousevideo.com. Please just go <laughs> fucking buy it because you'd love both these movies. But I think you're 100% correct with the fact that you can use these films as a tool, as an educator to show young people or even even older young people community college kids you know with that are that are in programs that are like under underfunded or you know they don't necessarily have the money uh that they need independently to make their student films because a lot of that shit is put on the the student and not you know provided within the program so you know you can reference these things to be cinematic influences or historical influences on the work that you're doing you're 100 percent correct i run a uh you know i have a, a i have a girls film club that i do after school here in in oakland and until you fucking brought this up i'm kind of taking the mask down a little bit from my <laughs> drive time radio host but until you brought this up i did not think like oh i should legit show these gals like a shot on video movie that's that's family friendly to like show them what we could accomplish with a relatively small budget and these movies by erica bendicti we're talking about hundreds of dollars of budget (laughs) you know it's it's nothing if if you come from privilege or if you have some resources or in these days where we have crowdfunding like it's nothing you could give kids like an incredible budget if uh, if you put it out there on Donors Choose or Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Like you can you can show the kids that making this art is possible. Now, Brad, I want to backtrack just a second. Uh, I want to talk specifically about the music of Back in Black. Uh, I, I joked for a minute about uh, Brian Johnson and ACDC, which have nothing to do with the soundtrack to this movie. And I think very little to do with the actual title of the movie, but I'm, I'm with my theory. But the actual soundtrack itself does remind me, I, I, as the film was going on, I heard three composers uh, co- come up through the, the compositions. I heard a, a lot of John Williams, and I think there was a lot of uh, Indiana Jones uh, references there. I heard some Alan Silvestri, wh- who I think we got a little bit more in uh, in Phobe. In Phobe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, but but then I definitely heard some Jerry Goldsmith there uh, at, at the end. Ha- now, 
I listen you're, to the You're com- missing you're missing the major one. What, what's what's the major one, baby? Oh no, it definitely sounds like the the major composers uh like filtered through band. No, 100%. Going going into like Richard Richard What's what's the what's what's the uh... reanimator? Yeah, yeah, reanimator taking the psycho. Thing. Yeah, dude, I to this day I listen to psycho and reanimator side by side, and I can't tell the difference. Well, I mean, Richard Van admits to it, but like, it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you can be inspired by something like Back in Black and Phobe are inspired by, you know, all these films that we're talking about, or you could just remake fucking Predator or remake Indiana Jones. It wouldn't. It doesn't. But like, you know, it's something. It's something to be inspired by, and then there's something just to say, oh, I like this, let me redo that. Or, you know, take something that's maybe not the fucking soundtrack to fucking Psycho. <laughs> you know? Borrow shit like Tarantino does from, you know, films that are very underseen. But yet, yeah, it's very, um, it's very Carl or Bandish. Um, I always say with Charles Band's movies, there's this, like, circus aspect i don't know what to actually call it i need to i need a form a term that doesn't make me sound like a complete idiot but with charles band movies there's this fantasy fever dream circus like um music performances everything i feel like i'm watching a freak show it's calliope celluloid my friend there you go <laughs> so uh listening to the commentary for phobe which is again available on the same motherfucking disc you click over to phobe and you listen to the commentary erica benedicti talks a lot about her her influences from uh spielberg which is number one she says steven spielberg is her number one influence when when she makes her own movies as Brad said, this is very much like an Amblin production. Now, Amblin, of course, is Spielberg's company, but many other directors worked underneath Amblin, and then there's things that have nothing to do with Amblin that we call Amblin Light. But uh, one one particular movie that I caught at the end, at the very tippy, tippy, tip, tip end, is uh, Back to the Future, man. When, when they come back... <laughs> The music oh, is Back to the Future. The music is 100% Back to the Future, but also that w- one of those final shots with uh, John, you know, walking down the street, and it's it, it almost looks like the same American suburban neighborhood, you know, that you see the car fly up, you know, away with Jennifer yeah. and, and Doc Brown. But, yeah, the, the suite for, uh, for Back in Black hits, and it sounds almost exactly like uh, – back to the future but there were so many references that are super fun like like uh like fuzz nugget said you know you're it's almost like you're watching that that fan film that uh draft house put out of raiders with the with the kids who made the the shot on video raiders where uh so so many little references to to these movies 
and it's just like we did it when we were kids, man. God, how I wish I had a fucking cell phone with this high-def camera when I was a kid, man. I'd do some fucking damage. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, you know, we're shot on video podcast, but we go off on tangents. It was, um, I think it was during a, um, a panel at South by Southwest a couple years ago with, uh, Mark, uh, Mark Duplass, and he said, you have a phone that has a camera, you have no excuse not to make a movie. And I was like, you're goddamn right, there is no excuse, fucking film something. You know, whether it's fucking one minute, 30 seconds, five minutes. I mean, you can put that shit on a computer, fucking edit it, add some music. Doesn't have to be a great production. The lighting doesn't have to be great. You made something. That's fucking cool. Yeah, I mean, if she was any age near her cousin, you know, who who was born in the late 60s and he died in the early uh, aughts, in the early 2000s. You know, she was so only forty. Yeah, she she was he he died probably before he was forty years old. You know, I think he was born in oh. nineteen sixty eight. He died in two thousand three. Uh, if if she's anywhere near his peer, I mean, they're they're relatively very fucking young at this time, like twenty five years old. You know, younger. Yeah, that's badass though. Yeah, it's super badass. Now, um, a you're few more... badass. <laughs> a few more things to say about uh back in black we have mentioned of course that you can watch it as a special feature on the phobe dvd so if you are a fan of sov movies or t-h-e-s-o-v-p-o-d the t-h-e stands for the then you've probably already purchased phobe and go ahead dig in there watch it uh, if you haven't done so already and you're like, hey, this sounds way better than the alien predator alienator, uh, you know, ripoff that you guys talked about last week. We, <laughs> alienator. Is that I, a Fred Olin Ray movie? Yeah, the Fred Yeah, no, I love Alienator, man, with uh, <laughs> that, that movie kicks ass. We'll talk about that none other time because it's not shot on video. But um, do you want to you always talk about your mom real quick. That that movie is like the only movie my mom ever recorded for me without being asked to do it. Like, you know, like sometimes I'd be like, hey, can you set up the recorder for Punisher or Die Hard or whatever? But she, bless her heart, she went out of the way and she set up the recorder for Alienator, which she read about in in the TV guide, and she recorded it for me, and then I, I got to watch it on my own. That's the only fucking time she ever did that. But, um, and I now have the Shout Factory Blu-ray for that reason. I digress. Where was I? Yes! If you want to watch Back in Black, here's the deal. This is a beautiful transfer for a shot on video movie that's just presented as a special feature without even being mentioned on like the main cover, kind of like how Death by Love and Dreamstalker were presented as a double double feature. This is like a buried under the rug fucking special feature, but in many ways, the transfer looks better than... Phobe, and I don't know if Brad's going to correct me on my opinion of this, but I stand by it. I, but no, I agree with you 100%. It looks really good. Yeah, Back in Black looks like a lot better than Phobe. Thank you. And you're welcome. Parting thoughts, my friend, on Back in Black. That was not late, you bitch. <laughs> Did you get all your final thoughts out? Yeah. Great. 
So if you are a fan of Phobe or Dreamstalker or Death by Love or, you know, maybe you're, you're a convert this week with Back in Black, we do, of course, recommend buying any, all, every fucking thing you could get from Intervision. They don't just have shot on video movies. They also have, of course, shot on film movies like Things, which is thought all the time as being shot on video, but it's not, you know. But they, they of course, have shot on video movies that we haven't even covered yet, which we will get to soon. So please, buy up everything on the label. There are things that we have not talked about yet that we will. Brad, you know, Bagel Bites are great. They're delightful. I love them so much. Yummy, yummy. Mm-mm, give me some but I'm uh, I'm thinking I need a little bit more sustenance for my tum-tums before we uh, go into the Black Devil doll from hell. Any drug you can find. That's true. Any drug. Any drug, because you're going to fucking need it for Black Devil doll from hell. That's true. The base, the base drug, the smallest drug that you could possibly use for... Black Devil doll, doll from Hell is maybe uh, a case of children's Tylenol. That's like the most basic drug you could use is an entire case of children's Tylenol. And then what? I would. Um, what would you take it up till? I would that or I, I would just then drink. Just drink. I, I don't want to promote drugs and alcohol to our children listeners. Watch probably Michael Ball when you're old enough to do drugs and drink. Um, other than that, yeah. But all around, I don't know if I could really say, oh man, go watch Black Devil Doll from Hell. I think the only reason why we talk about it a little bit more is because how uh, rare it was to see it before, you know, the DVD came out. Um, there was for for those in the VHS world or maybe not know one of the reasons why we talk about it is because of the rarity it was and how hard uh, it was to find. But after watching it again, I was like, man, like this this I I consider this a tough one to watch. But I suggest watching it for people that like shot on video stuff because it is really bizarre and weird because. If you're going to make a movie this caliber, if you're going to make a shot on video film, you think that you would maybe push the envelope? Yeah, but the way the way she deals with the doll being gone is through like uh, multiple gratuitous sex scenes with uh, pastors. Never go away unless it's hiding and stalking people. But for the most part. It's just it, it 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 pushes the envelope of your of kind of your patience. Um, so let's let's jump back into what the plot is about. No, wait, wait. Let's go back. Let's go back even further before before we get to the plot. Man, it's fucking almost six minutes before we see a single frame of the movie. We we have a uh, a wonderful. Oh God, that intro.
I love the song, but man, there's nothing to look at besides like the same fucking green uh, text on a black screen for about like seven minutes. I said six. I think it's seven. Look, we're getting back into the food fight fucking thing. (laughs) No, I, I agree. Like, it's one of those things that it takes a while to get started. And already you're kind of pushing pushing the patience of people. Oh my fucking god! I wanted to keep fast forwarding it. I'm like, I've seen this movie. I, w- I want to just. I like the song. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And then you have uh, kind of the sermon that is being delivered. You learn about the woman. Then she has to go actually get the doll. Um, it's a while before we actually have the Black Devil doll kind of uh, kick it into um, kick it into high gear, where we actually have him doing these evil things that he does. It's not even really evil. He's just a fucking sexed up doll. No, you're totally right. It's weird because we sit there and we're like, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And then when something happens, you as the audience member is like, yes, finally, the doll is fucking the human woman. Yes, I knew it was going to happen. Thank you for moving the story. The doll's going to fuck everything. Or it's just one of those things. It's like, wow, the doll's alive. Wait, it just wants to fuck? Like, there is really no... I mean, I guess there is, like, somewhat of a do- demonic possession thing that's happening with uh, with the doll, because he can, you know, he, he moves, like, the curtain... When we when he first comes to life, which I thought was funny, because she puts, like, these sleeves on him to say, like, he, so he can look, I guess, darker, because he's got white arms, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, so she puts these, uh, like, sleeves on him to make... To make him look darker and it's in the bathroom and she even says oh no one's seen me make it before only my husband would if i was married something like that so she then gets undressed gets in the the shower starts soaping up uh that's when our black devil doll comes to life he turns his head and i'm guess he's pulling the shower curtain back with his uh telekinesis I'm guessing, or his demonic powers. And he reveals the woman behind the sheet, and then he goes into... And I guess she's thinking it, too, because she even doesn't really know where she is at the time when she kind of comes to, is that the Black Devil doll's just, like, on top of her, like, licking her nipples, and then starts thrusting on top of her, and starts having these sexual thoughts, but she's also feeling it like channeling it through him as well. It's it's weird, man. It's weird.
And then it kind of just goes down this road of this black devil doll who is able to kind of control the mind in a way, but also it's just wants sex. But he's also kind of violent and it, he like knocks her out and he always, he's always saying either fuck you bitch, take that bitch, something like that. It's, that's comical. That's funny, I guess. Um, and then just goes to town and it's like it becomes kind of this rape then it becomes kind of like stockholm syndrome to where she just it becomes obsessed with the doll and then wants it and that's when i guess that's the intriguing part is when the doll leaves she becomes kind of a different person and needs that doll in her life which Ah, uh, yeah, it's still it's still weird. Works, but it's it's still weird. No, it's super weird because when when the uh, the sex between the doll and uh, the woman is introduced, there's a, a fantasy sequence where the dolls like fucking the woman, and at first you think like, oh, this is really happening, like the dolls raping her, but then you realize that this is her fantasy while she's in the shower, because then it just cuts back to the the devil doll. I, I think she just calls him devil doll. I don't think he, uh, he's a black devil doll to her. But uh, it cuts back to devil doll, and he's just sitting on the toilet or whatever. You know, he's where does she put him? She puts him like in the bathtub or on the toilet or something. No, he's 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 in he's in the um he's on the toilet. Yeah. But uh, it cuts back to him, and you're like, oh, this isn't really happening. This is the uh, the the fever sex dream of. The woman in the shower. And then later, you know, I say later, and I mean literally like 15, 20 minutes after that sex scene, there's another sex scene. It's almost like the beginning of the room where it's like nonstop awkward fucking. But, uh, you know, <laughs> later there's a sex scene where the doll is legit like on top of the woman, not like a fantasy licking her like titties and stuff and she's saying stuff like i know i know brad likes the uh the comical stuff the doll says i like when she calls the doll's tongue magical like he's he's giving her like cunnilingus oh, and like yeah licking on her marvelous marvelous <laughs> yeah 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 she's like this is this is marvelous give me a marvelous it's like tongue. man yeah it's it's funny but it takes it takes a while to get there and it is very quick and then leaves again right so yeah it's 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 a dude it's a really bizarre movie because like other than other than having the doll as kind of the marketable ploy in selling this movie and have people watch it it doesn't really do anything else and i I think what I find really intriguing about the movie is I want to know more about how this idea came about, why they are doing it. You know, it's 1984. I thought maybe it would have been 
a little bit more intriguing if the woman was white. I don't think we've established that. It's a black woman that the black devil doll is on, but wouldn't it have made more sense if she was white? So that way it would have had a more like weird underlying tone. I don't know. I, I You want to take it maybe racial that way, but I think it would have been a little bit more, I don't know, taboo. It's a woman. Am I thinking it's, too it's much of grown, black devil doll? It's a grown Christian woman fucking a doll. I don't. I don't think race has anything to do with taboo in uh, in that respect. No, no. But I'm just. I'm. I'm. No. 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 I'm just saying, like, as far as like pushing the limits of a movie, you know, that would have pushed a little bit more rather than what we had. I don't know. I'm just trying to think more outside the box to you know because the. Of, of making the film maybe a little more appealing. Okay, so, like, like far outside the box, I would make it a white dude named Tab that was fucking the, the Black Devil doll from hell. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. I love it. Right? Fun Funded. Your movie <laughs> has been funded. Your project has been funded. Now, this movie... Brad uh, and I have, of course, mentioned the date, 1984. It's, of you know, duh, it's shot on video, so that means it's highly independent. Now, Chester N. Turner, the, uh, the director, the writer, uh, the producer, he funded this whole thing straight out of his pocket, uh, you know, in his native uh, Chicago, Illinois. What, what do you think about that? Like, he, like... It's a passion project because you 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 said yourself like you wondered like where this all came from. This was a man willing to make this movie completely out of his own pocket, and he paid he paid everybody to be in the movie. The people that appeared in the church, the people that appeared in the background. He he pays reverence uh, throughout the credits to the people that appeared in random ass shots. He names them all. He paid them all. What what do you think about that, Brad? Well, I think I think that's great. I mean, I, I think that the guy obviously had this idea, um, but the idea that he had was—I don't know. I mean, he he obviously did something right, or we wouldn't be talking about the movie. Um, but there's also like a part of me that just doesn't understand like where all this came from, and. I don't know. It's it. I would love to know more about his life and what gave him the idea to make something like this. But also, you know what it boils down to? It's sort of a drama rather than rather than a horror film at times. And it's not one of those like transcending movies. No, it's it's just there's a lot of more drama elements. I don't know, man. I might be looking too much in the box. I'm not a huge fan of the movie, so I'm trying to like find some good in all of this. Because all I can say is like what the fuck is happening in this movie. Well, the the, the main woman You said you said you watched the film a few times. I I want to hear more about why you <laughs> like it and and what it appeals to you. No, I it isn't that I necessarily like it. I, I think it's a uh, it's an oddity, and I'm only reminded to watch it when I watch uh, 
there's so many fucking VHS culture documentaries now, and I think your friend Josh Johnson made probably the last uh the last one, Rewind This, that where where I I, I thought about Black Devil Doll from Hell, and I think that's when uh when I last last saw the movie before the the podcast this week. So that that was probably what like half a decade ago. When was that movie? Like 2013? Rewind this. So at at that time with Rewind this, I remember uh I watched that documentary with my good buddy uh Joseph Mason, who who is an actor with me uh on multiple projects, and he's appeared on my other my other show a few times, but. Uh, a black dude, like, <laughs> never saw Black Devil Doll from Hell, never fucking knew about uh, shot on video movies, but he, he thought it was fucking hilarious. But to be fair, that guy laughs at everything, and Brad, I think, kind of, sort of knows that. Uh, so, so I think I've had some enjoyment, like, watching Black Devil Doll from Hell with people who weren't expecting something like Black Devil Doll from Hell, which is completely, you know, unpredictable. Yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't love the movie. There's, uh, there's certain things I really do appreciate about it, uh, you know, being, of course, that it's one of those movies, like Brad and I talked about at the beginning of this show so many episodes ago, where it's one of those great time capsules of the, the exact weeks or months that, that it was made where you really feel like, oh shit, I'm watching a home movie from 1984 and you get to see these slices of America or slices of uh the world you 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 don't get you know normally we get these things nowadays through quick youtube clips of like news or whatever but these are like huge chunks of ordinary people doing very artistic creative things and they're they're beautiful when you when you watch them together even when they're as fucking weird as black devil doll from hell which is essentially about <laughs> an undersexed Christian woman who wants to break out of her uh, conservative uh, religion and, and fuck somebody, but she finds that she only kind of sort of really wants to fuck this Rick James dreaded doll. So sometimes that's what you get. And, you know, I, I have never had a legitimate release of Black Devil Doll from Hell. And I'd be really interested to uh, to explore uh, any special features on there. Because when, when I watch the movie, I'm always intrigued by, in, in the opening credits, how there's an editing uh, credit. And then there's a re-edited credit. So I always, I always think about how the film went from its original incarnation to the, the home video incarnation. And maybe uh, the director, Chester uh, Turner, can provide some insight. So Brad, that brings us, unfortunately, to the end of our recording session today. Now, I say unfortunately because we, we, we can't wear these cool headphones and we can't stare at each other in this state-of-the-art multi-million dollar booth. With, with sex in our eyes. But look, it's not unfortunate. We're going to rip off these headphones. We're going to step outside this booth and we are going to embrace and eat some goddamn Arby's. But Brad, what are you going to do next once we get out of here and, and before we record next week? 
licking her nipples. Licking her nipples. Licking her nipples. Licking her nipples. Baby, you know I'm okay with that. It's been... My friend, this has been multiple months of us driving around this great goddamn nation of ours. And now up into the great northern, Canada. You're welcome. So yesterday, Brad, yesterday, we at uh, SplatHouse.com also featured on Screaming Pods Network and Screamcast.com. At SplatHouse, we released an hour-long variety show based on The Suckling. Can you can you imagine that? That's what uh, that's what we did. I fucked a James Franco doll, and uh, it will be in film festivals soon. And Brad and I have the exclusive rights to release it to you, SOV listeners. Uh, A S A P P, and P P of course means penis. So for Brad Fuzz Nuggets Henderson, this is Mike D saying. You're a burglar, you're a black devil doll, and you should go to motherfucking...